0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast. This is the show where we speak to a variety of different tango professionals. We hear about their experiences, their insights, and through that, we figure out ways to improve our own tango. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks for tuning in. If you're a new listener, I'm glad you found us. And please take a moment to check out the other episodes. You're going to find a lot of interesting stuff. And speaking of interesting people, today's guest is a tango DJ based in Charlotte, North Carolina. He and his wife started the renowned Queen City Tango Marathon, and we'll hear more about that in a bit. Today's guest is also a master craftsman and designs mobile dance floors. He custom designed the dance floor at the Augusta Tango Marathon, and it was a huge success. And with me now is Mark Mindell. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: All right, Mark. So how did you fall in love with tango?
1: Oh, my goodness. This is uh, quite a story that I enjoy telling. All right. My wife wanted to take some dance classes.
2: So Mm -hmm. this
1: is, I think, in 2009. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'd been married several years, so I said... Sure. I, I have a friend that I used to play pool with that I know is a, a ballroom instructor. So we started taking some salsa, you know, the typical cha-cha and rumba classes. Mm-hmm. Going, you know, a couple of times a month, just having a little fun with it. And, you know, I wasn't particularly adept at it. I'd much rather play in the pool hall and play pool. <laughs> that's what I was good at. So we kept, and, and it was interesting. Well, one Saturday came and she had to go to, she went to class and I didn't. And my friend Julian, who was the instructor said, I want to show you my new favorite dance. (laughs) She asked, well, what is it? It's it's tango. And Kim immediately thinks the standard movie tango, rose in the mouth, all cheesy. No, I'm not interested. (laughs) He said, listen, it's not like that. Let me show you. So he did and apparently she liked it. So When I meet her, you know, at home later, she's all excited, telling me all this. Listen, honey, I can't learn what you're wanting me to learn now with the other three classes. And you want to add another dance? (laughs) No, I'm not adding another. I'm going to quit and go play pool. This is too much. I can't. My brain can't handle it. So the next time we go to class, you know, I basically tell Julian the same thing. He says, just watch. Mm -hmm. So he puts on the music. Oh, this sounds nice. And then I watch him and and my wife do, you know, the, the basic eight count, which, you know, is, is not much to learn from, but it's something. And I said, oh, well, this sounds good. And he starts telling me about it, that there's an uh, an instructor in our area, Daniel hmm and that's who he was taking from. And then if we would like, we, he would introduce us. So he did. And because I liked the music, and I found out it wasn't choreographed, which mm-hmm. was my... Main complaints about everything else. Ah. So that's how we got started. So we got started in the fall of 2011, and we've been going ever since. We were—I was hooked from the start, even though I was terrified (laughs) (laughs) to go to the Milonga.
0: Yeah. So, So what was it exactly that that hooked you?
1: I think what hooked me is I enjoyed the music. First, the music was played at a volume that I didn't find intolerable. Okay. Second, that it wasn't choreographed, and mm-hmm. it, it felt like there was it's when it was explained it's a walking dance. Oh, well, this is something I might be able to learn.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it it seemed to me that I, I mean, my wife would attest to this that I always had trouble finding the beat in salsa and everything else. That the, the way the music comes out to you, it's a cacophony of sounds, and I mm-hmm. feel like I can't seem to pick out what I'm supposed to listen to. Mm-hmm. And the tango music appeared to me at first to be more simple that I could find where I'm, what am I supposed to be dancing on
2: mm-hmm.
1: because of the fewer number of instruments. Yeah. So that was a plus, And so we gave it a try and ended up liking it and never went back to taking any other dance classes. All
0: right. <laughs> so what was your very first dance at a Milonga like?
1: Oh my goodness! I don't think we even got out there at all. Mm-hmm. We our first classes were in November, and the first Malonga was only a few weeks after, because it's here the main Malongas, every third Saturday of the month at the Metropolitan Ballroom in Charlotte. And I think we just sat the whole time. I'm not sure that we even got out. Somehow we just we just stuck with it because we were only taking Friday nights. We I see. didn't because we still had young kids. Sure. We didn't take the beginner class, which is taught on Mondays. Mm. So we were kind of thrust into a more intermediate class, which was a bit of a struggle, but we just stuck with it. Mm -hmm. And then eventually we, uh, I think we improved.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So the first time you did manage to get out on the dance floor to Malanga, uh, what happened?
1: We just felt like uh, everybody was looking at us. (laughs) <laughs> that we were the 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 center of the worst possible dancers on the earth <laughs> it felt mm. embarrassing you know mm. that we were really just felt handicapped mm. and not really able to progress with now what we recognize as the ronda, which these are all things that you don 't really know as a beginning dancer, yeah, you don't understand. Mm the way the room is supposed to move together with the music. You mm-hmm. don't understand when you're supposed to walk, when you're supposed to pause. Mm-hmm. And even you find even today advanced dancers, some of them don't understand these kind of things. Which yeah. When you see the Ronda stop, mm-hmm. it doesn't take but one person to, or one couple to really throw the whole thing in the mix. Yeah. So absolutely. it's difficult to, to have a good night, but it, as far as the whole room working together, yeah. that's always a. It's, it's, I've only ever seen it, what I would consider perfectly once.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, that was an absolute magical evening.
0: Yeah. So eventually you got into DJing. Can you tell us that story?
1: The reason I did mm-hmm. is Tim and I were complaining, you know, like other dancers that once again, there was only one a month. Mm-hmm. There was a practice on Mondays that we couldn't attend to because we had kids in junior high and high school. uh uh-huh. So our evenings were booked, you know, with school-age kids. So Mondays was out of the question mm-hmm. until our son, you know, was in his you know, junior and senior year and he was driving. So prior to that, we had an opportunity to host our own Nalonga. What happened was there was a, a gal who wanted to have a dance studio mm-hmm. in a particular area in Charlotte, and she wanted a floor put in. Okay. And I found out about this through another tango dancer Mm -hmm. in Charlotte. So they got in contact with me and sure, I agreed to put the floor in for them so Mm -hmm. they could hold other dance classes. There was not tango there at this time. Okay. So then in exchange for that, I said, well, could we do something in trade? So Kim and I started hosting Molonga and Mm -hmm. I wanted to learn how to DJ. So I started And I have good mentors Mm -hmm. between Jay Yoon, who's a a fantastic dancer and teacher, organizer, and also a DJ, Mm -hmm. has helped me immensely. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
1: My friend Julian Ingram. So I have had good mentors, coaches, and and have continually progressed. And I enjoy DJing very much. I've DJed a number of places Mm -hmm. and am always seeking new spots to do so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So even now that you've had some more experience, are you still discovering a lot of new tango songs?
1: I am in constant discovering of, of new music because I'm also involved with a, another project. Last fall, I by happenstance, I happened upon an advertisement for a fellow who lives in the Cleveland area, mm-hmm. who had a collection of shellac seventy eights, Nice. And uh, more than 1100 records. So I tried to connect him with another fellow that I had met online through a DJ contest that I participated in last fall. (laughs) Okay. Um, And it was a contest to go DJ in the Ukraine. Oh. So I didn't win, but, you know, uh, there was quite a few DJs who entered to participate. They Mm -hmm. eventually selected 64, and I made one of the 64. Nice. And then I eventually got down to the the top 16. Mm Mm-hmm. And in the public vote, I'm, I ended up in sixth place overall.
0: Wow, that's, that's so
1: the, the pretty top, good. The top U.S. finisher. Nice. So it was it was fun to do. It was a good learning experience. Mm-hmm. But during that time, I, I had an opportunity to meet Michael LaVoca, only okay. online.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So Michael is a historian. I know he's also a DJ. He's written some books. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to do with this collection.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't have the technology to handle it. So I said, Michael, I can't let this go. Can we arrange something to have this sent to you? Can you do something with this? And he mm-hmm. said, my time is booked. I can't even touch it. <laughs> says, but contact Christian Zello.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he's the fellow he has, and he's doing the tango tunes. Mm-hmm. So are you familiar with tango tunes?
0: Tango tunes.
1: Yes. So it's a, it, he provides tango music. All based on original shellac recordings. Oh,
0: oh! I think I did hear this, but yeah, someone I remember one of my friends talking about this. Yeah,
1: right. So I got in contact with him, mm-hmm. and yes, he was interested in the collection, but he couldn't go get it. Mm. So I went and picked it up. So last November, I told, I talked to my wife. Says I'm going to go to drive to Cleveland next weekend to pick up this record collection. <laughs> so she couldn't go with me. So a friend from the community. Joe O'Connor rode with me. Nice. So I wouldn't fall asleep on the road.
0: Yeah, that's not a... We
1: drove 11 hours each way to go pick up this record collection. We get up there, it's snowing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So it was quite a task. Yeah, we couldn't even fit all the boxes in the truck. Oh, wow. There was 21 boxes, and we got 19 of them in the pickup. It was full. (laughs) Wow. And then another dancer who was coming to our marathon that Mm -hmm. we host in January brought the last two boxes for me. Nice. So he happens to live in the Cleveland area. Excellent. But, yeah, Yeah. so all that music is Mm -hmm. in the midst of, you know, we've sorted it. um, It's all going to be photographed, cleaned, and digitally transferred and put into the Tango Tunes library. Anything that will naturally do. I'm sure a lot of it's repeats. Mm Mm-hmm. But you know you're always seeking a shellac record that's in better condition yeah. than the recording you currently have because yeah. you know all the masters are gone
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: you're yeah. you're aware of that yeah. that situation correct yeah yeah, okay. yeah that's really too bad but yeah,
0: so Mark, I also wanted to hear more about the Queen City Tango marathon uh, and okay it, yeah, it was a Big success last January, I hear, and you're doing it again in 2020. So tell us how yeah. how this marathon came about.
1: We were attending, we, this is the first marathon we attended, was the Augusta uh, Tango Marathon. Right. And it was organized by Steve and Diane Neely. And we went for several years in a row. And each year, you know, the, the whole thing was very nice, except for the floor. mm it was one problem after another each year that the floor would either move or not mm-hmm. stay together or was uneven
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know causing people to trip all these various various things and we had never been to an event that had a portable floor that was yeah. held in a hotel mm-hmm. all the events we'd gone to had always been in ballrooms so i spoke with steve about it because we were becoming friends and i said i think that I can't believe there's not a better product out there mm-hmm. that you can't rent a better floor. So I looked to find if there was one and I thought for sure there would be, cause I come from the theater theater world mm. and having done stage shows and, you know, rock and roll a variety of things as a stage as a technical director and technician, I said, there's gotta be something out there for this niche. Mm-hmm. And it turned out I couldn't find anything that I thought was acceptable so I told Steve he says I think I can build something that's better than anything you can rent or purchase. Nice. So he, he said, "Yeah, I'm game." We says, "Why don't you try?" He says, "I tell you what, I'm going to build four panels, Kim and I. will put it in our living room and we'll try it out because mm-hmm. I had a couple of ideas what to do." So I did, and Kim and I danced on it in our living room. Mm-hmm. Um, and this would be two years ago. This just in February. Okay. When, when the floor was first tried out. But prior to that, you know, we had, I built the floor. This was, so this was the previous August mm-hmm. when I made the attempt. So that would be three years ago this August. So then, you know, we tried it out. We went to and had a small milonga mm-hmm. at a winery at an outdoor venue that was covered with a tent, concrete oh. floor, and we put the wood floor over it, and it was fabulous. Nice. The floor is fast. Mm-hmm. It's easy on your legs, even on concrete, mm. because of the way I designed the floor.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So then, you know, and the Neelys came and they danced on it and said, this is great. Can you build more and we'll do it for the marathon? So I did. So I built, went from the 40 panels, so I built another 32. If I remember correctly, we had 72 panels for the marathon, just under a thousand square feet. Mm-hmm. And I think they are scheduled for 150 people to come. Mm-hmm. And it went off fabulously. Everybody loved the floor and had a great time. Nice. So then after it, you know, I figured, oh, this is great. I got a floor I can rent. We can use it for little events that we want to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we'll we'll do it at the Tango Marathon every year. Mm-hmm. You know, Kim and I had been doing some regular local Malongas mm-hmm. in a space that I had put a floor in, which I think I mentioned earlier. Yeah. So then a couple weeks go by after the marathon and, you know, we're getting all kinds of notes from people, how they love the floor. <laughs> and then Elise call us says, we're, we're coming to Charlotte cause they lived in Augusta
2: mm-hmm.
1: he Says we want to take you and Kim out for dinner. I said, okay, great. Mm-hmm. So they came and we went out to dinner and dinner. We basically eaten, we're having coffee and dessert. Mm-hmm. And it says, uh, we got something to tell you guys is mm-hmm. what is we want you guys to take over the marathon Ooh. So Kim and I look at him and says, what, why? We just built this great floor. Everybody mm-hmm. had a great time. Why do you want to change it? He
2: mm-hmm.
1: says, no, we want to move to Portland because our daughters live uh, in Seattle and Portland. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're having kids. They want to go be grandparents. So they're no longer want to live in Augusta because mm-hmm. they're retired. And so I said, okay. So I look at Kim and I said, I tell you what. We're going to talk about it and we'll give you an answer in a month Is this? I think this was in, in March that we met them for dinner about a month after the marathon. So Kim and I talked about it and I said, you know, I think probably eventually we'd have gotten to this anyway. Mm -hmm. It's just earlier than we anticipated. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So I think we ought to try. And she's thinking, I "I don't know this. We could lose money on this. Who knows what'll happen. So I'll tell you what, let's just look for a hotel. Mm-hmm. so we basically went around to every hotel in charlotte and looked it on and many were just unsuitable for a variety of reasons several were very good but they mm-hmm. wouldn't allow us to play music past midnight
2: ah.
1: but then we finally came to the one we're in where it seemed like everything was perfect it was nice looking mm-hmm. it's a nice area it's it's on a little lake there's everything's within walking distance they got Mm -hmm. plenty of parking. The ballroom was big. And we could go 24 hours a day because the ballrooms are separated from the hotel rooms Mm -hmm. by the first floor, which has no rooms on it. It's the reception. Okay. So it's great. And we we found out after that they regularly host other events. So they host Charlotte Westy Fest Mm -hmm. and the Latin stuff that happens annually. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was like, okay, this is great. So we were able to negotiate with them, and and we gave them a deposit. And a year back from January, we had our first one in 2018, mm-hmm. and we had 210 people come. We were just floored. Mm-hmm. The floor went great. The whole event went fantastic. Everybody had a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, we had so many positive comments about how it was a friendly atmosphere. We I spent a lot of time. Mm-hmm making sure our event was balanced for both role and gender. Now, mm-hmm. so I was pretty strict, meaning that when we hosted or when we started, mm-hmm. couples could get in immediately and leaders could. Mm-hmm. But I required all the ladies that were singles to go on the waiting list. And I told them, put your name on our list, but mm-hmm. look for a leader. If you find a leader, you're automatically in. Yeah. You know, you just, you just get in. And so a number of them did that. Mm-hmm. But all the rest, I went and I recruited leads. Right. So that every lady who was on the list who wanted to come at the time that I could get them in, mm-hmm. they came. Now, there was a few that changed their plans and they decided not to come.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But the list was like 40 mm-hmm. wow. for their first year. Mm-hmm. Now, in January, at one time, this past for this past January, Right um and we opened up registration the first year in June mm-hmm. and this, for the second year we didn't open it till August mm-hmm. and i had over 60 ladies wow. the very first day of registration <laughs> wow. i had 30 ladies on the waiting list the very mm-hmm. first day mm-hmm. when it opened in August and it grew and it was it was trouble i was worried okay how am i going to get all these ladies in mm-hmm. to the event and i just kept recruiting guys that i knew Mm -hmm. and convincing guys that balance is in their best interest. Mm -hmm. Because when Kim and I had gone to other events that the balance is bad, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: the guys, you never get a chance to sit. You feel obligated to go and dance with ladies who haven't had dances Mm -hmm. because there's too many ladies to dance with. And I told a number of ladies,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I'd rather have you angry with me that I didn't allow you to the event. (laughs) That you couldn't come Mm -hmm. rather than come to the event and you spent all this money Mm -hmm. you went through a great deal of effort to dress up and do everything else and then Mm -hmm. you don't get dances because there's not enough leaders
2: yeah wow
1: so that is that's something that kim and i decided is unacceptable so in in backing up with after we talked about it went found Mm -hmm. a venue we agreed with amelis but i spoke with kim says the only reason and Uh, The only way I'm willing to do this Mm -hmm. is if we really aim for the fences, that Mm -hmm. we create an event Mm -hmm. that is everything that we imagine we would like in an event. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it if we're going to not really go for it and have an event that we would think is mediocre.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: So my goal was to to make our event a standard that other events are measured by, Mm -hmm. not that we measure up to anybody else so that's the, that's what we sought to do so mm-hmm. then the second year this past mm-hmm. january we had 296 come wow so we grew 40 plus percent yeah in one year mm-hmm. from 210 to 296
2: mm-hmm. and
1: eight people paid and didn't come oh we would have had 304 wow so that's how we came to do the the queen city marathon almost by accident, but it worked out for us that we had a floor. And, you know, through developing many friendships mm-hmm. um, across the country with other DJs, other organizers, I sought people's advice and help.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we came to do our own event, and it went off very well. Mm-hmm. Um, people, when they come, they're just so pleased at how nice a time and how friendly the entire Environment is, and I think it, we've discussed it. It starts with the organizers. Mm-hmm. If the organizers behave in a manner that is conducive and welcoming to everyone, mm-hmm. then um, people feel that. Yeah. And it permeates the entire event. Now, one thing that we did to help that is we have something called our hospitality hour.
0: Hospitality hour. Okay.
1: So Friday and Saturday night, the first hour of the evening, Malonga, hmm we have, this past year, we had 25 people who volunteered. So I require this of all the DJs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I require any visiting instructors and myself, some other guys that help, you know, do some of the work. Mm-hmm. We put on armbands and we're available to be asked to dance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So if you're a DJ who doesn't do this, then you're not going to get invited to my event. But so what it does is everyone gets a wristband. hmm regardless of whether you're an organizer, a, a visiting instructor, or one of the DJs. There should not be any barriers between the people who come as dancers and someone who's part of the event. Right. We're all people, we're all the same. Mm-hmm. So trying to keep those walls down and keep it friendly. So we don't allow reserve tables. This keeps it, everybody has equal ground in every space, of the entire place except for the dj booth he can't hang out in the booth he's got work to do. <laughs> right <laughs> so these are some of the things that that we do so having the hospitality hour it mm-hmm. gave ladies an opportunity to dance with djs who they might not get a dance with right so for that hour they they're expected to dance every time mm-hmm. and they can't say no okay if The lady asks, i mean asking you, you mm-hmm. have to say yes and mm-hmm but that's not very long to dance yeah. six tandas in an hour. Yeah. So everyone feels like they have an equal opportunity and the lady DJs that we have, they, they have the choice. They can either follow mm-hmm. or they can lead. So balance is important. And I think that's what made our event go so well.
0: Yeah. Nice. That's great. Yeah. So the dance floors, that's a really, that's a really fascinating topic. So for me, I'm not an expert with dance floors. If I just see a space that's big enough to dance on, I'm, I'm pretty much happy. But other than, you know, noticing a floor that's obviously too slippery or too, or too sticky. Right. Um, yeah. What are some things perhaps, you know, since you have a little more expertise in this field, what, what are some things as dancers that we ought to look for from your perspective in, in terms of uh, identifying a good or a bad
2: floor?
1: Okay. Well, the first thing is, floors want to be what dancers call as fast okay and the reason the reason this is beneficial mm-hmm. is it's because it's the easiest on your body and your knees and your joints. Mm. It is much easier to modify your dance if a, if a floor is too fast for you
2: mm-hmm.
1: to change the way you step than to make a floor that is slow or sticky mm. Mm-hmm work like a floor that's fast okay so you want the fastest floor possible now without my floor the finish is one that allows it to remain fast regardless of the humidity in the room
0: oh okay
1: because the finish is not affected by humidity practically every finish out there from polyurethane to shellac to mm. even waterborne finishes all absorb water uh so being that they absorb moisture, now you naturally, your shoes are also going to do that because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whether your shoes are leather mm-hmm. or they're suede. Mm-hmm. Both of those are, are surfaces or products that absorb moisture. Mm-hmm. So then you have two of them. So water, it makes those things stick. So then if you have other issues like dirt or trash, mm-hmm. for example, this past time, mm-hmm. someone stepped in a dessert and then tracked it all over the floor.
0: <laughs> oh, no. So
1: then our floor was sticky and fast, depends <laughs> oh. on what spot. Mm-hmm. So after the after the evening was done, I went and I mopped the whole floor
2: Mm-kay. and
1: I got rid of that. Mm-hmm. So, But that was something that you can't prevent. You know, someone stepping in a dessert and tracking all over, I can't right. prevent that. <laughs> <laughs> but I could clean it up so then yeah. the floor was back to fast again. So that and combined with the design of the floor, that the floor is flexible mm-hmm. so that it acts like a sprung dance floor. Okay. Um, makes it easier on your body. So people mm-hmm. can dance for many, many hours mm-hmm. without their feet and their bodies hurting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, if you, dance, if you ever danced, I'm sure you have on a tile or a concrete floor. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Even one that's wood clad. Mm -hmm. It is really hard. Yeah. And you can feel the difference Mm
2: -hmm.
1: when you come dance on my floor Mm -hmm. and you dance on another. So we've become spoiled, you know, (laughs) because you dance on a nice floor. Right. And you go dance at other venues that don't have the same flexibility Mm -hmm. for whatever reason.
0: Yeah. So, Mark, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your DJing. So, when it comes to your personal style of DJing, when you organize tandas, do you have a conscious strategy going in, or is it very intuitive for you?
1: No, I have a conscious strategy. I'm okay. not um, I'm not a DJ of DJs on the fly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I do make changes when I see the floor requires it, mm-hmm. but coming from the theater world, um, everything in every show is planned. I see. And the same so with modern radio and mm-hmm. Many DJs who DJ like to to, to DJ on the fly. Mm-hmm. meaning they're just DJ as they go. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> At least this is this is my view and my opinion. And I don't think that that lends itself to being the best for a um, a particular event. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of considerations. One, right. how how many cans or excuse me, how many milongas are in this event?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is this event a weekend event? Mm -hmm. Is it longer? Is it shorter? Is it a Mm one-night? Whether it's a daytime or an evening event. Mm -hmm. All these things come into play as to how I make decisions about what I'm going to play and for the the type of crowd that I'm aware of it. Mm -hmm. So some places you go, the crowd might be a little older than usual. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So playing music that is at a a high pace Mm -hmm. can be difficult for them. Mm -hmm. so you might vary the pace or slow it down a little bit Mm -hmm. where that's not so exhausting to dancers who are in the 60 plus age group
2: Mm -hmm.
1: it depends on the group that's being that's in attendance Mm -hmm. so planning ahead for these things and preparing a set is something that i like to do now i modify the set on the fly Mm -hmm. if i see that that the direction the floor is moving and that, that the dancers are wanting more
2: mm-hmm.
1: or wanting less, all will change to, adopt to the, what's, adapt to what's happening in the room. If you look at modern radio, mm-hmm. everything's planned. You know when the commercials are. So therefore, you know what the tinder are supposed to be. You know what's happening, what, what your music genre is to play.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I've played both more modern music, and traditional. Now, I'm fond of the traditional as a DJ,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I'm not opposed to playing some modern orchestras if um, it appears as though the crowd would enjoy it.
2: Yeah,
1: I've even played my own malanga with a first hour of nuevo and a t- alternative,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then switched to a traditional malanga after the hour. Mm-hmm. Then what happens is the dancers who enjoy the the modern Mm-hmm. They the dancers who don't enjoy that will come just for the traditional so both groups tend to be happy but I try not to intermix the two in the same Malanga I don't find that to be conducive to the flow of the entire Malanga mm, I see
0: very interesting yeah it's really fun to hear about different DJs and their their styles yeah they're it folks, is yeah there are folks like you i'm, I'm kind of like you i like to pre-plan my playlist for the most part and then there are those who are just on the fly and that's that's kind of cool how how we see the different contrasts and how they work but yeah i, I think, think that it's mm-hmm. good
1: it's difficult to do it on the fly you really yeah. have to know really really know your music
0: yeah and
1: have your music super well organized mm-hmm. i think that there are few who really do that well and Often I've heard, or I've been at a Mm Malonga, and it appears as something is—I don't want to say misplaced, Mm -hmm. but it's played in such a manner that I that I feel like it's a mistake. It would, or or at least at the very least, it's not a choice I would have made. Mm -hmm. And you can see that in how dancers dance. They they're out there and they say, well, this. This is a little familiar but there's something different about it. Mm. Maybe the songs weren't played in in the most conducive order to bring the dancers to the floor. Mm-hmm. If you see so if you see dancers skipping the first song,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's because that song didn't bring them to the floor.
2: Yeah.
1: And then suddenly they're getting on to the second song, "Oh, now this is one I know." Mm-hmm. Well, that's an indication you played the wrong song first.
2: Yeah.
0: Interesting.
1: If you're reading the floor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, Mark, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks again for your time. So where it do we find out? Fun, Joe. Yeah. Where, where do we find out more about you online and also the Queen City Tango Marathon?
1: You can find me or by email at impulse to tango. Okay. At gmail.com. That's impulse with a numeral two. Okay. And the Queen City Tango Marathon is naturally that. Plus dot com.
0: OK, I'll have that in our show notes so people will be able to look it up very easily. And yeah, thank you again. You sent me a very nice personal invitation to last January's marathon. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it. I was out of town, but I do hope to make it in 2020. I'd love to meet you in person. Until... I
1: hope I hope I would love to meet you in person. I hope I get a chance to. Yeah. And if you need something else for me, don't hesitate to call. If there's any part of the podcast you'd like to redo. Sure. Should not give me I, think, a ring.
0: I think we got it.
1: It was great talking to you. Thank you for calling and I really appreciate being able to be on your podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was my pleasure. All right, Mark, we'll stay in touch and yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Have
1: a great day, Joe.
0: You too, take care. Okay, I haven't really thought too much about dance floors and I'm glad Mark was able to give us some neat information about them. Now, I really don't like sticky floors and I'm pretty sure you feel the same way, but I had no idea that choosing the right type of varnish can have an effect on that. And the thing about choosing a varnish that doesn't absorb moisture? Yeah, neat stuff. I never knew that before. Mark mentioned that the Tango Marathon he and his wife organized pretty much started by accident. And while talking to him, it's clear that many of these happy accidents came about because he had a proactive mindset. He was proactive in offering his skills as a craftsman to help other dance studios, the Augusta Marathon, and his own Tango community. Now, many of us listening might not be able to build dance floors like Mark, but we have other skill sets that can probably benefit our communities in some big ways. So don't be afraid to step up and put forth some ideas. And if there is a big idea you want to try, you're probably going to need help. And chances are there are other dancers around you who have the skills to help get your plans off the ground. So go for it instead of waiting for someone else to come up with big ideas. So the next Queen City Tango Marathon takes place in 2020 from January 10th to the 13th in Charlotte, North Carolina. Go check out Mark's amazing floor and meet some really nice folks. So thank you again, Mark, for sharing your thoughts and experiences. And thanks to all you listeners for tuning in. I am incredibly grateful to have you as an audience. If you're enjoying the show, please take a quick moment to visit iTunes, SoundCloud, or whichever podcasting platform you're using. Subscribe if you haven't already, and please leave a five-star rating and review. That helps out a lot. To help keep the podcast going, I'm also accepting donations through PayPal. There's a link in the description and also one on the podcast website. Thanks for your support. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.